I want to begin by telling a story. So I used to be a preacher in Fort Worth, Texas for the last 15 years. We just recently moved to Memphis. Don't hold that against me. I know Memphis won last night, but, but when we were in Fort Worth a few years back, two miles from our church building was the TCU Horned Frog campus. And we had a few students from TCU that would come to our church. One of them I'd kind of gotten to know and, and he wanted to have lunch with me. So we set up a time at a restaurant there right next to the TCU campus and we were gonna have lunch together. And I was sitting there at the, at the restaurant and he walked in and he had brought a friend. I said, I hope this is okay. I just saw my friend as I was walking across campus. He asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm going to have lunch with my preacher. And I thought he asked if he'd come along. So I just brought him along. I hope that's okay. I said, great. So I start to get to know this, this friend of one of our church members. And, and he was an interesting guy. He was telling me about what he was studying. He was a graduate student. He was studying music. In fact, he was getting ready to graduate. In fact, he already had a job lined up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And so I casually asked him, what is your religious background? And he said, that's an interesting question. He said, when I was growing up, my mom was a Baptist and my dad was a Muslim. And so growing up, I would go to church at the Baptist church on Sunday and I would go to the mosque on Friday. When I heard that, I thought, okay, this is, this is strange. I said, okay, you gotta tell me a little more about this. How did, how did you think through all this? Because the Christian faith and the Islamic faith, there's a lot of differences. So how could you go to a church and then a mosque at the same time? He said, well, yeah, there's a lot of differences between the two faiths, but I, the way I look at it is it's kind of a both and sort of thing. They both believe in one God. They both wanna encourage people to, to serve and bless other people. And so I just kind of took it all as one, as a both and sort of thing. And then after that, he turned to me and he said, what do you think? Now let's just pause here for a second. Let's just imagine that you were sitting where I was and you've been asked that question. What would you say? You don't have time to call up Spencer and say, Spencer, what should I say about this? You don't have time to, to dig in your Bible and figure out a Bible study to offer. In fact, this is the only conversation you're gonna have with this guy because he's a graduate student, he's graduating and he's gonna to move to Pennsylvania. You got one shot. There's one, one writer who says that when you have moments like this, you got 30 to 45 seconds. You can't draw on over and over again a long time. You got 30 to 45 seconds. What do you think? What would you say? Our theme for tonight is faith in 15. How can we share our faith in 15 seconds? How can we leverage social media, whether it's an Instagram story or whether it's a post on Facebook or a tweet on Twitter, how can we leverage social media to be a platform where we can share our faith? It's gotta be brief, it's gotta be concise. How can we do that? What can we say? Well, in order to do that, to do faith in 15, I believe you gotta be able to answer two questions. The first question is, what is the gospel? And that's what I talked about this morning. That if we're gonna, if we're gonna be able to share our, share our faith, we gotta know what the gospel is. And I kind of broke down the gospel into six different parts. Creation, curse, covenant, 
Christ, church, and new creation. That the gospel basically is a nutshell, that God created our world, declared it to be good, but sin entered our world and made it broken. God started a plan with the people of Israel to bring blessing to our world. Israel didn't live up to it, so he sent his son Jesus, who through his death, burial, and resurrection ushered in a new kingdom and broke the power of sin and death. And now we can be a part of his church and our lives can be made new and we await the day when God is gonna make all things new and new creation. That's the gospel story. That's the first question that you have to be able to answer. What is the gospel? But there's a second question. That's what I wanna talk about tonight. And that is, you have to be able to answer the question of how the gospel is good news to you. How is the gospel good news to you? It should be good news. And it should be something personal. We can talk about the story of the gospel, but how does it apply to you? How has it changed you? One of my favorite stories about sharing faith is the story that was just read from 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7. Probably a story you haven't even heard of before. It's buried deep within the Old Testament. The story is about the northern kingdom of Israel the capital city of Samaria. It's besieged by the Aramean army. And it's gone on for so long and there's a famine that hits the land that there's no food anywhere. In fact, things are so bad that in the city of Samaria, they are selling donkey's head and dove's dung for food. Now, I've been hungry a lot, but I've never wanted to eat feces. I don't know about you, but that's how bad it was. They were so hungry. And there were these lepers right outside the city. And they start thinking to themselves, we got three options. We could stay here, but we don't have any food, so we're gonna starve and die. Or we could go into the city, be ridiculed because we're leopards, but they don't have any, any food either, and so we, again, would starve and die. Or, third option, we could go to the enemy camp. Maybe they'll kill us, that ain't any different than option A or B, but maybe they'll give us food and we'll live. Let's try option C. So they go out to the Aramean camp. Once they get there, God has worked it to where he has scared the enemy off and they have run away. The Arameans have left and they've left everything behind. They left all their gold, all their silver and all of their food. And those lepers go into the tent. They're like hungry teenagers at a golden corral buffet. I mean, they're just ready to just get everything they can get. And they're they're chomping down on this food. I mean, this is the greatest day in their life. And then finally one of them stops and says, hang on a second, hang on a second. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. There's a whole city back there that's starving for food and we have found the food. We've got to go tell them. I believe that one of the challenges of why the church and why Christians struggle to share their faith with others is they've forgotten that we have found the good news and that it really is good news. It's good news for me and it's good news for you. But how is it good news for you? That's the question. How is it good news for you? Maybe one of the reasons why we forget how good the gospel is it's because maybe we don't fully understand what the gospel does. We, we don't really understand what the gospel does. Let me explain that a little further. So a few years ago, I was teaching a young adult Bible class and we were talking about baptism. 
And I said, let's just go around the room and let's just share our baptism story about how you made the decision to be baptized. We got to one young lady. She says, I'm just gonna be honest. I made the decision to be baptized because our family was going on vacation and we were gonna fly on an airplane and I was deathly scared that our airplane was gonna crash and I knew that it was gonna crash, that I would die and that I was gonna go to hell. And so before we went on vacation, I was baptized which makes me think of a new evangelistic strategy. We just gotta get people on airplanes and, and then we'll baptize people. Now, I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to say next. I, I'm thankful that she made that decision to be baptized and that, that fear of airplanes kind of pushed her over the edge. But the gospel is more than that. The gospel is more than just a get out of hell free card. It's more than, as one person put it, fire insurance, okay? It's more than that. The gospel is about transformation. It's about Jesus coming into your life and making you new. In fact, that's what Paul said. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's been made new. She's been made new. That's what the gospel does. It transforms us. It takes our broken pieces, as we talked about this morning, and puts them back together and makes us into a different person. And when that happens in our life, when the gospel changes us, then we're able to share it. Let me use the example of David. So King David, he was a good king, had a lot going for him, but then he made a bad mistake. He lusts over Bathsheba, commits adultery with her, eventually arranges a murder of her husband so that he can cover up what he's done. It doesn't even bother him what all he's done until a prophet named Nathan comes to him and says, you have committed sin against God, and then it hits him. He's convicted. I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. And he feels shame. And so he cries out to God, and he gives a prayer that we have in our Bible, Psalm 51. And sometimes we sing that prayer, don't we? Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew within me a steadfast spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. In other words, what David was praying is, Lord, make me new. I need to be made new. I need forgiveness and I need to be made new. So please do that, Lord. What we don't often read though is a little bit later in the Psalm. If you keep going down to Psalm 51, verse about 18 or 19, David says this. He says, O Lord, Open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. And what David was saying, I think, is he was saying, Lord, if you really will forgive me, if you really will create a new spirit within me, if you really will not cast me from your presence but make me new, then I will tell people about you. I will tell people about you. And there's a principle in that. And here's the principle. You are not going to share the story of Jesus until you have a story of how Jesus has changed your life. That's what David was saying. If you are gonna change my life, I'm gonna tell everybody. And when we realize that God has changed our lives, that he's made us new, that he's forgiven us, that he's given us a new heart, new spirit, when we have that story, then we wanna share the story. Now, it's going to look different for each one of us. It's, 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 going to, it's going to be different. When I think about having a story 
that causes you to share these stories. I think of a lady named Joanne. Joanne was someone, and well, to understand Joanne's story, I need to tell you a little bit about our church back in Fort Worth that I preached at. It was two miles south of downtown Fort Worth. It was in a very urban part of the city. The street in front of our church building called Hemphill Street was notorious for being kind of a, a place where nefarious activities went on. And Joanne was one of those people who hung out on Hemphill Street. In fact, she was a drug dealer. And she did that for a long time. And, and God started working on her heart. And, and when God started working on her heart the first time was when she had dealt drugs with another mother. And that mother was arrested by a police officer in front of that mother's child. And Joanne was there and she saw that child crying as her mother was taken away. Joanne thought, I gotta quit doing what I'm doing. I gotta quit dealing drugs. Well, she was arrested eventually for what she had done. And she was placed in prison. And it just so happened that there was a couple of women from our church that were, that were doing jail ministry in that jail. And she came to one of those Bible studies. She learned about Jesus. She learned about the gospel, learned how her sins could be forgiven, that she could be made new. And so when she got out of jail, she made a beeline to our church and she was baptized into Christ. Well, right, right after that, Joanne was arrested again because of a previous conviction before she was baptized. It kind of caught up with her and she had to go back to jail. But, but she wrote me this letter as she was going back to jail. She told me all about her past and history and how she had been a drug dealer on Hemphill Street and how on that same street she had found Jesus in our church. She said, as I go back to jail, she said, she said keep me in the church directory. Okay, so we kept her in the church directory and it, would, it was always kind of odd. You know, you have pictures of, okay, this person lives on this street, this, this street, and this person lives in prison. You know, it was kind of weird in our church directory. She said, keep me in the church directory. She said, because I'm going to be the church's missionary in prison. And so every week I would send her my lessons and she'd take those lessons and she would share them with the inmates. You see what happened in her life? She had a story of how God had changed her life and because she had a story, she wanted to share the story. And it's the same way with all of us. When we have a story of how God has changed us, we'll share the story of Jesus. So what, what's your story? Now, it's, it's gonna be different for each one of us. For some of us, it's gonna be really dramatic, like Joanne. For others of us, maybe not as dramatic, but more of a gradual change in our life. For some of us, the gospel is good news to us because we've been forgiven of the past sin and guilt in our life. For others of us, the gospel is good news because it gives us truth, the truth that Jesus is the, the way and the life and the truth. For some of us, we've been struggling with, with sin and difficult sin behaviors in our life and Jesus has brought us victory over sin and that's why the gospel is good news. For others of us, we come maybe from a broken family and we have found hope and reconciliation in Jesus and that's why the gospel is good news. It's gonna be different for each one of us. But you should have a story. There's, there's, a great, there's a great little story about this Native American tribe in Canada that had lived on this land for generations to generations. And along comes the Canadian government and they said, this land doesn't belong to you anymore, it belongs to the government. They bring their papers and they bring their deeds. 
And, and the tribe says, no, no, we've been on this land for generations. It's not your land. No, no, here's the deed. It's not your land anymore. And this goes back and forth and protest and arguing until finally the chief stands up. And the chief says to the government officials, if this is your land, where are your stories? Here's what he meant by that. That if you've really lived on this land, you should have some stories of being on the land, of, of living with the land. He says, if this is your land, where are your stories? I think that's a good question for the church. That if we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, a gospel that makes people new, a gospel that transforms people, takes them from what they once were to what they can now be in Jesus. If we believe that to be true, where are our stories, church? We should have some stories. This college ministry believes that Jesus is the way and the life and the truth. You should have some stories in your own life of how God has changed you. And so what's your story? What's your story? One writer says that one way to, de- to tell your story is to use before and after. Before I was this, but now that I've known Jesus, I'm this. Before I was, I was arrogant, prideful, and self-absorbed, but now that I know Jesus, I wanna serve others. Before I was about greed and materialism, but now knowing Jesus deeper, I'm about giving to others. Before my life was full of addiction, and struggle and loneliness. Now my life has been set free from the sin that has shackled me. Before I felt all alone and I felt like nobody cared about me. Now, because I know Jesus, I have a church family that walks beside me. What's your story? What's your story? Faith in 15. We asked some of the college students what their story would be. Let me just read two of them to us really quickly. One person who's here tonight said this. When I think back to my high school self, I can remember all of the brokenness that I felt. I was just a girl that was anxious, full of guilt and shame, loneliness and heartbreak, searching for new friendships that I thought would fill my life with good things, but instead all it led to was dead-end roads. But when I found Christ, here's the after. He replaced those things in my life with peace, love, friends that are more like family, a church community, and a kind of wholeness that can only be found in him. Because of Jesus and his love for me, I have joy in my heart and hope for tomorrow. That's a story, folks. Y'all say amen around here? That's a story. Let me share one more. Another person who's here tonight said, I don't have it all together. I'm broken. I struggle. I worry. I sin. And I'm far from perfect. But God sent the perfect sacrifice, his son, to die for us so we can have the hope of living with him in heaven one day. And I'm on a mission to serve like Jesus did. I'm on a mission to be kind and encouraging. I'm on a mission to show love to everyone. I'm on a mission to seek and save the lost. I'm on a mission to live in heaven with God one day and I'm bringing you with me. 
I'm bringing you with me. That's a story. Amen? That's a story. What's your story? I think one person who understood this really well was the blind man in John 9. Blind man who was blind from birth. Jesus walks up to him, spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on his eyes, says, go wash the pool of Siloam. He goes and he washes his eyes, and now he can see. People see this blind man who now sees walking around and creates a stir. Pharisees hear about it. They want to figure out what's going on, so they kind of hold a little court session. They bring in his parents. They say, is that your son? Was he born blind? What happened to him? Did Jesus do something like this? Parents are scared, so they say, well, yeah, he's our son, and yeah, he was born blind, but we don't know what happened to him. You can ask him. He's of age. So they bring in the man. And they say to him, we know this Jesus is a sinner. So what happened to you? And do you remember what he said? He said, whether that man was a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that I was blind. But now I see. That blind man, he didn't have a lot going for him that day. He didn't have a college education. He didn't have a lot of money. He didn't even have the support of his parents. But one thing he did have is he had a story. I was blind, but now I see. He had a story. You want to share your faith with your friends? You don't have to be this incredible salesman. You don't have to be this great person who knows the Bible incredibly well you just got to have a story a story of how Jesus has changed your life and you can share that you can share that in 15 seconds and when you share that it can change someone's life it can change someone's life I know it can because I've seen it happen I told the story this morning about a lady who walked into our church in Fort Worth she was a guest And she walked in because she had a lot of broken pieces in her life and she thought church might help. And so she drove around our church parking lot three times just to get up enough courage to walk inside the door. And she comes inside the door and I meet her. We end up having a Bible study. She ends up being baptized into Christ and her life gets turned around. Well, there's a rest to the story. Y'all didn't know this, but there's a rest to the story. I want you to be able to text all the people who were here this morning who didn't come back tonight and said, you missed the rest of the story. Will you do that? Here's the rest of the story. A couple years later, I was preaching at Southside and I told her story. Just like I did this morning, I told her story, but I ended it with this line. I said, I share with you her story because her story might be your story. You might have walked in here this morning with a lot of broken pieces and you thought maybe church could help. I'm sharing you her story because it might be your story. And you know what happened? We sang the invitation song. A lady comes to the front. I come to the lady and I said, can I help you? She said, that lady's story, it was my story. I came here with brokenness and I need Jesus. And we baptized her into Christ that day. I was preaching at another church in another part of the of the United States I told that same story that I said this morning and I said the same thing her story might be your story you know what happened there was someone who walked to one of the ministers after service and said her story is my story I need Jesus to mend my brokenness." and we baptized her that day 
Do you see what happens when you share your story or your story is shared? Your story might be somebody else's story. And when they see what Jesus has done in your life, they might think to themselves, that's my story. That's what I need. I need Jesus. There's power when we share our story. When we share how the gospel has changed our lives. God can use that to share the gospel with others. So here's what I want you to do. Tonight or tomorrow or sometime this week, I want you to figure out what your story is. Before I was this, now that I've met Jesus or gone deeper in Jesus or I'm growing in Jesus, now I'm this. I want you to figure out what your story is. I want you to share it on social media. I want you to put it on Instagram. I want you to tweet it. I want you to do a Facebook post. Do whatever is the social media platform of your choice. I want you to choose one and I want you to put it out there and let's flood social media with the stories of how Jesus has changed our life. Can we do that? Will you join me in doing that? Just shake your head yes if you know, shake your head no if you don't want to. Okay, shake your head yes, okay. Faith in 15. You don't have to know a lot about the Bible. Just like that blind man. You just got to have a story and you can share your story in 15 seconds. And it could be that your story is someone else's story and they'll wanna know about Jesus. As we close, I wanna say to all of us here, it, it could be two things. It could be that you realize tonight you need Jesus. You need the gospel that your broken pieces need to be put back together. And I wanna encourage you tonight to make that decision, to give your life to Jesus, to be baptized into Christ. You can walk out of here a new person. Whatever shame, guilt, stuff you've been struggling with, you can be a new person starting tonight. And I wanna encourage you to think about doing that. We're gonna sing a song in just a moment. But there are many of us here that I just wonder if we've, we've lost the passion for the gospel of Jesus. We, we've forgotten that we have good news and that we really are lepers and we've just stumbled upon some food and there's a whole city over here that is really starving and this is a day of good news and we're keeping it all to ourselves. And maybe tonight the Spirit has been working on your heart and has been saying something to you that you've forgotten your story. You've forgotten what Jesus has done for you. You've forgotten how good the good news is. And maybe it's time for you to find your story. Maybe it's time for you this evening to say, I need renewal, I need to repent of sin, I need to be made new, I just need to come back to Jesus. I've lost that passion and I need it back. And if we can help you do that, if we can pray for you, encourage you, we want to do that. If the Spirit's knocking on your heart, answer that call. Let's stand. Let's sing at this time.